The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. If you are hearing this the day it comes out, then congratulations. You may well have survived a Thanksgiving get-together with your friends and family and, you know, the family that you see twice a year or so and hope you had a good time after the fact something that would have been fun to bring up in conversation to deflect from whatever awkward political um peeping contest might have been going down at thanksgiving is the question that ben posed just as we were getting ready to podcast what do the people of turkey call a turkey yes yeah, we're we're all about the issues here. Uh, we found the answer, by the way. Uh, it, it, Turkey, the bird, is not native to Turkey, the country, uh, but the people are very much aware of it, and the name for it is apparently Hindi, meaning Indian, based on the idea uh, that the bird originates from that part of the world. So, yeah. Kind of like they pulled a bit of a Christopher Columbus, didn't they? 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just so because uh, they they misnamed something, right? That's how we ended up with the with the indies to begin with. Um, yeah, you're right. That's something we should have thought about in time for the November episodes. But yeah. you, you know next what? Year. Next year, next year, <laughs> back pocket that one. Yes, <laughs> back pocket that one, or just you know bring it up in like March. Switch it, switch it up. Keep them guessing. Keep them on their toes in conversation. <laughs> People still eat turkey around the Christmas holidays. That's true. That's true. They do. And today we are dedicating time to some amazing conversations from our fellow conspiracy realists, uh, many of which relate to some earlier episodes or earlier explorations we've did in strange news or listener mail. And I love that you brought up the idea of deflection, you know, because one of the tried and true ways to deflect an awkward conversation with a family member or a loved one, you might have those coming up toward the end of the year, whatever holidays you celebrate. One of the best ways to deflect a conversation is to get people to talk about their dreams. People are continually mystified by their dreams. Uh, we have a pretty comprehensive two-part episode on some strange things about the world of sleep. Uh, we've got uh, one two-part episode on dreams. We've got another episode on sleep paralysis. And people, uh, our fellow conspiracy realists, often reach out to us uh, hoping that together, uh, not just with Matt, Noel, and myself, but uh, together with you listening right now, we can figure out some possible interpretations or we can figure out maybe some possible scientific explanations for what's going on when you're asleep. Because get this, folks, science is still isn't 100% sure. They know the mechanisms. Scientists know the mechanisms that occur. Uh, but as far as what your dreams are saying to you and how and what is being communicated, if there is purposeful communication, it quickly gets into the realm of the philosophical. Is that fair? Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, and, and the highly subjective. So yes. we, we can only know as much as you tell us, right? And uh, then we just make assumptions based on that. <laughs> but what if your dreams are trying to tell you something? Huh? Huh? Segway? Segway. Um, we had a listener uh, by the name of Lauren write in to us uh, asking that very question. Uh, or proposing that she maybe has a sense of the answer. Um, Hi, guys. I was listening to your listener mail segment where you talked about recurring dreams, and I found Ben's theory of how your subconscious mind can be trying to remind you or make you aware of something in your waking life. That then had me thinking of an interesting concept of whether dreams can be predictive in a sense, whether it's possible to dream something and have it come true in your real or waking life. Ever since I could remember, I've had very vivid dreams. I'm a clinically diagnosed insomniac. It's very hard for me to sleep at night, but when I do, I'm an active lucid dreamer. Uh, we've been deep into the dream content lately. Uh, so much so that oftentimes I'm not aware I'm in that state at all until something unpleasant happens in my dream and I suddenly change it. Side note, that would also be an interesting topic to dive into how one can change or control what happens in their dreams and how it happens in the first place because it's a skill I had before I even knew what it was. And we very much did cover that in a recent uh, listener mail or strange news episode. I can't remember, but it was just like a week or so ago. Um, anyways, I often have very vivid dreams and real dreams. Many times something happens in my dreams that comes true in my waking life later. Whether it's an event, someone dying, or something as simple as someone saying something or doing something they did in my dream. Sometimes these dreams will come true days later or even years later, but they come true. 
For example, I had a dream that one of my uncles died from a heart attack. I dreamt going to the funeral with my parents and remember seeing and feeling how distraught everyone was. I even remember the clothing our family wore to his service. This dream happened several years ago, and I had put it out of my mind, hoping it wouldn't be a dream that would come true, just a nightmare. Well, last year, that same uncle passed away from a heart attack. And get this, when we went to his funeral service and met up with family, they were all wearing the exact same outfits they were in my dream and were acting the same exact way they were in my dreams, even down to their movements. There's another incident of a dream coming true for me uh, where I dreamt of walking along uh, Descanso Gardens here in L.A. with my siblings. While we were walking, my sister had come across a rabbit that crossed our path and ducked under some bushes. My sister pointed it out to me um, and crouched down to take a picture. Just then her phone fell in the dirt and she cursed before picking it up. I had dreamt this days before uh, they suggested we go and the same exact sequence of events with the rabbit came true. She was even wearing the outfit she was in my dream. I've had many dreams like this before and every time they've come true. So I guess my question to you guys would be if there's a theory out there or if you'd be willing to do a more in-depth episode about dreams and whether something like this is possible. We know of the theory that your dreams can be trying to remind you of something in your waking life, but can they also be telling you something that's going to happen in the future? Mm. Well, Lauren, you're in luck. We actually have a two-part series on this uh, that we did a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it is called... Have dreams really predicted the future? Parts one and two, respectively. Um, and we've got some interesting examples from history. Uh, one um, involving Abraham Lincoln and one, I think, involving Mark Twain, Ben. Um, Abraham Lincoln supposedly had a dream. It was reported by his uh, his bodyguard, a guy named Ward Hill Lamont. Um, and it is in his um, uh, his biography, the story that was you know told by this bodyguard. Um, the idea that uh, Lincoln had premonitions of his own death, according to the story, just a couple of days before he was assassinated on April 14th of 1865, Lincoln told the tale of this dream that he had had, where a small group, including his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, and Lamont himself, um, he walked into the East Room of the White House to find a covered corpse guarded by soldiers and surrounded by a small group of mourners. Um, when Lincoln asked in the dream one of the soldiers who had died, the soldier replied, the president. He was killed by an assassin. And also, Lincoln had a very interesting relationship with this bodyguard. He supposedly insisted to Lamont that the body on display was not his own, um, so he himself did not view the dream as a you know, a premonition of his mm. own uh, end. Um, but there's lots of kind of speculation that this may or may not have actually taken place, casting doubts on Lamont's story. Mm -hmm. Well, this also wouldn't have been something widely reported because, or at least not in Lincoln's short lifetime, because if it were, it would be, uh, it would present a perfect opportunity to question the guy's uh, mental well-being at the right. time in society. And the Mark Twain story, we mentioned that in the two-part episode, which uh, I think you really enjoy, Lauren. Uh, we mentioned this. This dream anecdote specifically because I sat through the entire uh, multi-volume autobiography of Mark Twain, which was dictated by him on his deathbed. I understood the importance of editors, even for someone as good as Samuel Clemens. Like you gotta, you gotta summarize at some point, you know. But but in in that in that story, uh, in that autobiography. He talks about 
how he dreamt of his brother Henry's funeral before it occurred. And it leads us to a really interesting discussion about something called retrocausality. Uh, retrocausality is such a, a weird, weird, weird thing. We don't have to get in the weeds on it here, uh, but that episode is out. It's specifically part two of that episode where we talk about this idea of a backwards cause and effect. No spoilers. That's all we're going to say about that. But uh, a lot of people listening to the show today have had an experience like yours. Uh, my family as well. Uh, it's quite common on the, um, oddly enough, on the on the Bolin or Melungeon side of my family. Um, one brief anecdote, and I'm sure many people have these in their families, uh, but one brief anecdote, um, an uncle of mine who is a brilliant, somewhat sketchy dude, when he was uh, the age of six, he was going to go on a camping trip with a, a kid his age, a friend of his, and that kid's father. The night before, he had a dream, a vision that greatly disturbed him, in which the boat was struck by lightning and uh, the everybody on the boat died. So he refused to go. He got in trouble for being rude. And that Saturday, I believe it was a Saturday, lightning struck the boat. There was not a storm, apparently. Lightning struck the boat, and the man and his son died. Uh, and this is this is one of those things that makes you really question how far the concept of coincidence can go, you know, the, because those are very specific circumstances. And you might have encountered the same thing when you realize, whoa, everybody, this is a scene from my dream. Everybody's wearing the same thing. It gets really creepy when you see multiple multiple real life commonalities with what you've dreamed about. Like you might dream about a, a tiger and then you go to a zoo and see a tiger, but that's not amazing, right? That's just, I mean, tigers are amazing, but a zoo is the place you'd be most likely to see them. You know what I mean? Right. What is that called? Like Bader Meinhof or something like that? Or the idea that like when something's on your mind, you start to start to notice it everywhere. Yeah. But in the case, in the case of a rabbit running across your path at the zoo, that's, that's, that's not different. Normal. Yeah. Right. Well, yes. this wasn't at a zoo, though. This was just no, walking no. around in some gardens. It was just like it was oh, like a okay. wild. It was a wild yeah. rabbit, and it was um, her idea to go out there, and she had the dream before. And mm -hmm. I think it's cool. I think it's endlessly fascinating. It, it's super cool. I mean, and obviously, you know, I mean, I think people, a lot of people are just starting to get into Dune, you know, because of this this uh, Denis Villeneuve film, which I thought was quite good. Uh, but dream premonitions play a huge part in that film. Um, you know, the character of uh, Paul Atreides uh, constantly dreaming of the character that he will ultimately meet in, you know, the deserts of Dune, um, Arrakis, uh, played by Zazie Beetz, which is the best name in uh, in entertainment. Uh, and then, you know, that becomes a really, really important part of the story. And then like this idea of precognition is a huge part of like that kind of uh, with the weirding way and all of that stuff. And like, yeah, you know, kind of ties in with the voice and all of that. Oh, man. I I don't want to spoil these episodes for you, Lauren, but I get so excited every time that we have the opportunity to chat a little bit more about this in the waking world, uh, because I have um I didn't understand for a long time that the way I dream is not normal. But there's there's something interesting. We get into the concept of time travel. The oh we get we have to spoil this one thing. The rules of reality in the universe as, as we encounter them now, as we recognize them collectively, they're kind of um, 
they're they're pretty solid for what we would say the middle of the size and time spectrum. But when you get to the really, really big, 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 big stuff and to the very, 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 very small things, those rules are not as iron bound nor as constant as they appear from our current very limited perspective. It seems that at the quantum level, time may flow in more than one direction simultaneously. And we get really into like brain science because your brain is made up, of course, of very, very tiny things. What are your thoughts made of? You know, how do they move? I, oh man, okay, this is weird. Like full disclosure, we're recording this on a Tuesday and this feels like a, a Friday conversation, doesn't it? It sounds like a high day conversation. No, I'm just playing. Um, no, we, we have been talking about this a lot and, and I think it's something on many of our minds. Weird dreams and possibly predicting the future or really truly reliving a past event through our minds in that little time machine that is closed off, you know, to, to everything else. And yet we still have senses in there uh, or we experience senses mm-hmm. when we're in there. I mean, that it's the flat circle thing. It's the how is it possible that something like that could occur? Is time really what we think it is? Uh, boy, Ben. Yeah. Time after time. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a, it, it's strange because what we have to realize is that, of course, there is something that will be endlessly fascinating about the world, the, the separate world that so many people enter when they fall asleep. But there's also a bit of arrogance, however well-intentioned, in thinking that we, we collectively as a civilization have everything about this figured out. That is very much not the case. There is a ton of great research going into dreams. Dreams are one of the oldest, uh, oldest forms of study of the mind in human history, right? Empires rose and fell based on dreams. Wars were waged or ended based on dreams. And even today, I don't know if, I think we brought this up more recently than the dream episode, but world leaders will still have, like, do stuff based on a dream they had. It is not near as uncommon as you might think. And I know, I know it's 2021. You're thinking, shouldn't it be some sort of AI that's telling them what to do, running a simulation? Yes, but if they have a dream with something happening, uh, then they might double check the AI. They might go with the dream. Who's going to stop them? What are you going to do? Mm. Vote? Mm. Sorry. <laughs> Voting matters. I'm Absolutely just such not. a quick decision. <laughs> oh, come on. It's 2021, man. We don't vote anymore. It's a futile gesture. Oh, I'm kidding. It's important. Um, you know, speaking of dream, though, I'm very excited and I hope I'm not let down by the upcoming Netflix adaptation of The Sandman. If you're into dreams uh, and fantasy and, you know, mythology and like witchy stuff, um, I highly recommend checking out those graphic novels before the show comes out. Um, it's worth doing in and of itself and hopefully it will enhance and not detract from your enjoyment of the show. And hopefully it doesn't suck. But uh, very much looking forward to that. But. I think this is a really interesting topic, and thank you for sharing, Lauren. And we're going to take a quick break and be back with some more messages from you. 
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. All right, and we're back. Now, we did a two-part series on trade craft, ye old craft, the yeah. craft that is not cheese. Uh, and <laughs> like lines of feathers stiff craft. as a board, like the craft? <laughs> yeah. Yep, just like that one. Rock cool. and roll. Just like that one. And uh, we've gotten some very interesting voice messages in. Some that I don't think we should play 
on the air, or we've been asked to not play on the air. This one, however, the person leaving it gave us permission. I'm going to leave their name that they supplied us, let's say, in there. And Ben, I particularly want to get your take on this, because I I did ask that you not listen to this before we go live to get your just take uh, live in the moment. Noel, I want the same from you, if that's okay. You got it, baby. This is a a person telling us some stories. All right, here we go. Hi, this is Jim. I was just enjoying your multiple episodes on Tradecraft, and I wanted to share three stories I had with you. In the late 80s, my father got a job with the UN, and we moved from small-town Maine to Vienna, Austria. And at that time, Austria being neutral was the center of Tradecraft. Um, while I was there in high school, we had several things go on. One of them was there was once a, a presentation to the students by a Marine guard named Lone Tree who was talking about the pride he had of being a Marine and being a Navajo tied with the whole code talkers from World War II. A few months later, he was arrested for treason because when he was a embassy member in Vienna and in Moscow. He got caught in a honeypot sting and was giving secrets to his Russian girlfriend. The next thing that was interesting is I had a friend and his dad was posted as the uh, U.S. military defense attache in Vienna. And with the job came a nice kind of big house, probably had secure rooms or whatever, communications. But the thing we enjoyed, me and my friend, is it had a nice flat roof. And in the winter, we would go up on the roof because there was an exit, probably for helicopters, who knows, and throw snowballs at the white panel truck that was always parked just out front of their house until the Russian listening team would come out and swear at us in Russian, and we would laugh and go back inside. That was always fun. The last thing I wanted to share is there's a bar in Vienna, and I can't remember the name, but when you go in, if they know you, or once you order your drink and they can identify your nationality, they play a bit of your national anthem so all the other members in the trade, in the bar, can identify who you're playing for. So it was quite interesting because, you know, people would go in and they would immediately identify them that they worked for the CIA in the U.S. and the national anthem would go on or, you know, the Russian anthem would go on when someone else orders a drink just to make an even playing field for all the spies there. Well, thank you for the great podcast and keep up the great work. Oh, wow. What a great story. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Uh, He's got three separate stories in there that I thought, I think are worth discussing. (laughs) No, that is a, let's hold that up for the class. That is, that is how you do a phone call. A (laughs) hundred percent packed it in lots of good, nutritious information in that very short call. Well done. Star student. Cheers. So is this bar move kind of like a flex? Is it, is it like to intimidate? Is it to like, kind of say like, we know Mm -hmm. who you are and you can't, you can't trick us. Like, well, what's the point of that? Maybe maybe a little. I would say it's more to maintain it as a safe ground. Yes. Because the like, thing is... Like neutral, like a Switzerland yeah, kind of. Yeah, right? which Vienna is, as Jim pointed out, a hotbed at this time in the Cold War. So there's something else that's important that's going on here. And people don't talk about this often, but I guarantee you, you have been in a conversation like this before. When you were talking with someone, maybe at an acrimonious level and you're you're lying to them and they're lying to you and you both know that you're both lying, then what you have a conversation about 
oddly enough, tends to pretty much be very close to the truth because you're just able to suss out what the motivation for the song and dance you're doing. And so if you walk in, if we have a Matt walk in and then um, Matt, just pick a country at random. Poland. Okay, Matt walks in, and that is a nice choice, actually, for this. Matt walks (laughs) in, uh, the Polish, uh, the statue of the Polish theme song is is playing, and and Noel, uh, you know you're there to meet uh, an asset from Poland, right, that you've never, you haven't known before, and you probably would have some kind of um, physical description. It would be something easy to get rid of, like a, a specific type of hat, that wouldn't stick out mm-hmm. too much. And then you might have a rose, like, perhaps. <laughs> right. Right. Just like Seal, kissed by a rose, comes mm-hmm. on, and they're like, okay, the Polish guy's here. Uh no, the the uh the other thing would be some kind of code phrase or interaction. Um, but then you would instantly know it it's the bar's way of making everybody have their cards on the table. And also, mm-hmm. I bet, I bet it's possible to game that system. I'm sure many right. people tried, right? Right. And okay, so there's so many things I want to talk about, but let's stick with the bar for now. I love that you're already thinking that way, Ben, because that to me, if we're talking about someone who's perhaps a double agent or working, you know, for another one of the numerous embassies and other mission like missions that exist from other countries within Vienna, Austria, uh, (laughs) you could go in there, order, you know, some drink, let's say that would maybe just point you out as, oh, this guy's from Yugoslavia. Uh, but you're not actually from Yugoslavia. You're working to game somebody who is there from Yugoslavia. Right. And you wear a particular thing that looks like, I mean, dude, I Ooh. love that concept. Um, the, the whole point of it occurring there in Vienna, Austria, is because, as you said, Ben, like Switzerland, like several other places, they were kind of close in proximity to the Soviet Union at the time and some of the countries that were Soviet bloc, it was it was just a highly strategic place, especially for Western spies and for, you know, allies, allied spies. <laughs> right. And everybody kind of had their people there. And it was it's a very interesting time, especially in the 80s, as well, honestly, as well as right now, Vienna, Austria, it, it is a a place where spies gather where intelligence is gained. And there's a great BBC article you can check out right now titled Vienna nest of spies. Why Austria is still center for espionage It was written in 2018 by Bethany bell. And uh, there's way more stuff in there just like that, including an article from the cipher brief, which is a book review that just came out this month. And it is, uh, (laughs) it's just looking at, all of the different actors that were and are at play in Vienna, Austria. Yeah. There's another thing that um, probably a lot of people in the U.S. don't know about unless you're in the game. Austria, to this day, has some of the most relaxed espionage or spying laws of any country in the world. And it hasn't changed since the fall of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, despite two world wars, despite the Cold War. You want to, you know, you want to really get into into some espionage stuff. Um, Austria is, a, and Vienna specifically, it's a, it's a good place to consider. The only problem is, at times, like a pool in a savanna on the grassland during a drought, 
you're going to run into a lot of other animals that you would normally avoid. Mm. Well, that sounded unnecessarily cryptic, Ooh. but it's true. I mean, there, <laughs> there are a lot of people, there are a lot of thirsty spies out there, you know, if we want to make that analogy even more painful. The bar is the pool. Who is the lion? Who's the antelope? Okay. You know, one thing we haven't considered here is, is a bar of this type um, would have to have a pretty wide selection of spirits. You know what sure. I mean? From different like parts of the world. Like when you mentioned what would someone from Yugoslavia drink, I, I looked it up and um, there is a very popular Serbian drink called Rakija that is yeah. uh, made from fermented fruit. And that would be exactly the kind of thing that what they would have to have at a place like this that you wouldn't typically see in like your neighborhood pub or like things like grappa, you know, like from Italy and maybe mm-hmm. different types. Of, I mean, it just seems like that would be sort of the stock and trade of a place like this. In order for, for a drink to be so specifically tied to someone's nationality, they'd have to have some like kind of outside of the box stuff. Yeah, you can only imagine. That would be an interesting way to identify someone, but it could be gamed, as we mentioned. 100%. Uh, so just a couple other things and we'll, we'll get out of here for this one. But that first story, someone who was pretty well known, who was going around doing speaking engagements at high schools, <laughs> Who was he saying this person was? Uh, he was a Marine He's, Guard and yeah. part Navajo, of the Navajo the, Code Talkers. The Code Talker program, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, like, just for anyone who doesn't know, I think we should explain that real quick. That's, oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so there was this program to, uh, it was a new approach for the U.S. to cryptography. They said, well, mm-hmm. let's take let's take these members of the Navajo-speaking community and let's have them communicate with one another because uh, Navajo as, as a language to an outsider would be very difficult for enemy forces to crack. It's later been popularized in various war films, particularly mm-hmm. in, the, in the Vietnam era. Uh, but these people did an invaluable service to their country and they were in a very dangerous situation. They were in a, um, the code talkers were kind of a, um, well, put bluntly, the best way to compromise a code that effective would be to capture someone who speaks that language. So they were very much in a situation where there were serious conversations about killing them rather than allowing them to be captured, which is a dark thing to think about. Oh, also the correct name for Navajo language, I believe is Diné, Diné, D-I-N-E. So just respect where it's due. When you think about it as a strategy, it's pretty brilliant. You know, uh, an indigenous people, native to the land upon which you live and operate uh you know any any of your enemies that live far away especially aren't going to have any idea how to how to decode that yeah it was world <laughs> war Two, and then korean war vietnam war i mean there's no way around it. it it worked so that guy obviously would seem to be a vip right a high value target um but one thing a lot of people don't talk about and i'm sure we've got some calls into 1833-STD-WITK about this is that information, like actionable, useful information in the world of spying is, it's what's called highly perishable. So if you knew everything that was going down in like this specific country or this specific operation several decades ago, it's not, it's quickly going to become way less useful than you might think. So keep that in mind when you try to, try to turn and become a spy yourself for a foreign power. They may not want your stuff. They may already know. <laughs> yeah, or they may want it 
right now and then that's it yes <laughs> depending yes. on when you learned it and what it's what it's in regards to but he fell for the 210 rule didn't he matt he did. He fell for the rule. Just be careful who you sleep with and or <laughs> cavort with or whatever you want to call it. Uh, because canoodle? Canoodle upon. Yeah. Canoodle, <laughs> cavort. That sounds like the most whimsical sex ever. Oh, I didn't know you could ever. canoodle upon somebody. That sounds very uh, uh, lascivious. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Um, that, was, that was the other thing. Just don't do that because uh, you will sell your secrets uh, because you have to. And then what was the other one? The other one's about being on a roof at yeah. the defense attache's house and throwing stuff at the, the panel van that has the spies in it. <laughs> yeah. Until they got irritated and came out like you kids. Uh, there's, I, I do have a question for that one, Matt. And this is, this is a question for Jim as well. Um, given the high density of government representatives, both clandestine and official, in Vienna at this time, um, and given how small the world of espionage or tradecraft can feel at times, is it possible that, like, my assumption, and I want to be unfair here, but my assumption is the defense attache and his team not only know that the Russians are spying, but they might know those Russians. You know, there might even be, it, it sounds weird, but uh, but this stuff can get so incredibly absurd and surreal uh, it, it wouldn't be a total surprise if one day, as a flex or just as basic human decency, the attache or someone who works for him walks out to the van and they've got like some drinks, you know, they got mm -hmm. like some lemonade, maybe some snacks. How are you guys doing? Okay, well, stay warm because uh, we know you have to stay here for another three hours and we know <laughs> where you will go when you leave. <laughs> enjoy the lemonade right like that's love it that's how stuff like this happens sometimes yep yeah no know. absolutely absolute last thing guys there's an article in the new yorker that i thought would pique your interest you remember the havana syndrome that we talked about oh yeah that's due for a full episode i think update time mm -hmm. well it's uh the new hot spot is in vienna at least as of <laughs> july of 2021 mm -hmm. so just something to think about. It's weird all these embassies getting targeted. That's strange. They're just diplomats, right? That's strange that somebody would target them with, I don't know, microwave weapons. <clears throat> Maybe. Weird stuff. If you're being facetious, I got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, no, it's true. Yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, man. I'm just not good at decoding sarcasm sometimes. I just have to make sure we're on the same. Uh, not at fault. all, dude. Not at all. You're great at it. Well, you're a real snarky, well, the snarky Sue. <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know, uh, circumstances actually may find me in Vienna for just just a vacation. Yeah, you know, seriously, it's true before these phone calls. But uh, I, will, I will report back and let you know. Um, I'll, I'll hit up some bars and see if I can I can find the right one. And then we'll we'll update it and we'll see what nationality they thought it was. That's the thing. I wake up in the morning, I brush my teeth and I stare in the mirror and I go, Ben is not a spy. Ben is not a spy. I'm just to convince not. myself. You just told me to that earlier myself. off air. Yeah. And I didn't say, yeah. Like we, it was in the midst of a very serious conversation as well. No, no, no. I think, uh, I, I think Vienna must be a beautiful place and I, I have not been there yet. So we'll see how, we'll see how travel restrictions go. There's a, uh, the news isn't looking great out of every European country. Um, 
you don't want to get stuck in a... Ooh, should I be concerned? I'm I'm going to Berlin in February. Honestly, man, get the booster if you haven't. Okay. Be careful. Um, oh, you mean just if you, you have to test to get back in the country, and if you actually accidentally get it, then you're stuck. Is that what you're saying? You may be, you may be stuck. Uh, well, the U.S. doesn't, the U.S. legally does not refuse entry to U.S. citizens. So it's kind of like if you can get on the plane, if you can get back over the ocean, you get to the U.S., you go through customs, you might. You know what? We should ask for uh, stories from some of our fellow conspiracy realists who have traveled internationally in the past few months. All right. And with that. Uh, thank you very much, Jim, for calling and giving those stories to us. Any other stories like that you want to send in, we are all ears. We are a listening post for your stories. Uh, and also you listening right now. We want to hear your stuff, too. Our number is one stdwytk Call in. Please leave a message. We'll tell you more later. All right. We'll be right back with more messages from you. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. 
So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. And we have returned. Uh, This is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing where this conversation leads us today. So Shagwise, or Shagwizzy, a.k.a. Hansy Packer Jr., writes in. Um, what? I know, I know. It's like the YouTube days. I loved it when people would make these amazing, uh, articulate, insightful, profound points, and I would have to say, like, that is an excellent summation, and that's an interesting perspective. Thank you so much, but Daddy sixty nine xxx. You know, I I, mm-hmm. I do agree with your thoughts on the gold standard in the eighteen hundreds. But uh, but yeah, so Hansy Pecker, uh, aka uh, Hansy Pecker Junior. Excuse me, uh, <laughs> aka Shagwizzy, <laughs> uh, writes in and says, "I, uh, hey Ben Matt and Noel." First of all, thanks for all the great work you do. I've never found another podcast, video series, radio show that does uh, as good a job of evaluating alternative theories fairly. Thanks, man. Uh, It is a breath of fresh air, especially in this post-truth era. Uh, I've been listening to the podcast since the very beginning, starting with YouTube videos. It was stuff that I want you to know that turned me on to how stuff works in its entirety. We don't get that often. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying and appreciating iHeart as a current apparent parent company. I hope they let you speak up as freely as you need. I have a request for you three. Several times you have mentioned psychedelics and their associated effects and experiences, machine L's, alternate dimensions, trauma therapy, the list goes on. I have another. Well, you're in the right place, Shagwise, because we love to talk about this stuff. One night, several months ago, you say, I consumed a smallish dose of uh, magical mushrooms alongside some cannabis. Hansi points out that a smallish dose for this person is 1.5 grams and that they use 3.5 grams as a standard full dose, a big boy dose or whatever. Does that check out with you guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 3.5 is considered, okay. I believe, the maybe, no, I mean, 3.5 grams is an eighth of an ounce. Uh, it's typically, you know, what you would buy uh, a minimum amount of psychedelic mushrooms. And um, if you wanted to really have a heroic dose, as Terrence McKenna puts it, you'd eat every last one of them. But um, typically, I think folks okay. are more looking for maybe something a little more mellow. But it's also a lot of just kind of gross, dry shroomage to consume. <laughs> Yeah, it's got a, it's one of those things where you're probably not eating it for the taste. Anyway, so Hansi says, as my friend continued to watch television, I went to the back room, burned some sage, meditated. After quite some time, I glimpsed several images of Nazi imagery flowing before my closed eyes. Tanks, waving flags, marching in line with the mud, fires, burning books, salutes, and so on. It was disconcerting, but not anxiety-ridden. Then a name came into my mind, a name not written out, maybe spoken, but just known, a name that implied great intimacy, like I had known it well, a name that, perhaps, had been my own. Hans Becker. 
or to be truthful, of another spelling since it was not written out for me. Though the name is wholly unfamiliar to me, I can't claim without a doubt that it was a past life of mine. I researched the name to the best of my abilities, found a handful of appropriate Wikipedia entries about various Hans Beckers that I did not know. My ignorance notwithstanding, a skeptic might point out the fact that I watched many World War II documentaries as a kid, and it's entirely possible that a decorated SS officer may have been mentioned in passing. If that's the Hans Becker that had been mentioned, then it's possible that some obscure neuropathway had been opened up due to the magic mushrooms, and I misinterpreted the connection in the same way that cases of demonic possession speaking in tongues, glossolalia, can be written off as exposure to that language tangentially in university. And here, Hansy specifically uh, name-checks the exorcism of Emily Rose. Here's Hansy's question for us. This is what I ask of you. Is Becker a footnote of history I may have come across via some TV documentary? I've gone out of my way to not read many books or do any in-depth research into World War II for most of my life. Or are magical mushrooms something more, something they don't want you to know? Can you find anything about a Hans or Hans or Hans with a Z or Hans Becker or Becker or Beckert that would undermine my past life revelation theory? Or if your plates are just too full, I get that. I'd appreciate any tips on how to research for this name. Um, and then we've got some great uh, PSs. Uh, he, P.S. The rest of that night was pleasant. My friend and I laid in the backyard to watch the stars as we took front row of our giant stone spaceship on our path through the cosmos. Also, I saw Jesus. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, and then Jeffrey Epstein did kill himself. Couple other things. Oh, great, points a great points that's all. Great points all. Great points all, Hansy Pecker. Well, what do you guys what do you guys think? Um, this gave me Cloud Atlas vibes. Uh it's it's a story that I really love. I know the movie adaptation uh isn't the same as the book, of course, but um David Mitchell is, is a wonderful author and it's quite a profound philosophy that he brings forward. Um now, Matt, I believe it's you among us that generally just doesn't believe in the idea of reincarnation, right? Like it's a nice what? idea, but pers- I thought you said that. I thought you said that a while back. No, I probably did because <laughs> I, I I currently don't. I um yeah, I want to get too personal. I had a cousin's a little older that truly believed she was a Chinese man in a past life, and she she had all of the details of her time during a certain dynasty um, laid out before her in some kind of you know, other state and Ooh. truly believed it for some time. I don't know if she currently still believes it, but it definitely put me off a little bit just because it seemed so strange and not real to me. But mm-hmm. then of course I've read a lot. We've learned a lot. I've personally learned a ton over the course of years doing the show with you guys. And uh, I'm more interested without fully being on board. I feel that. I got you. I feel that way about a lot of things in terms of religion, Mm -hmm. like many aspects of religion. Like I'm fascinated by it. I would not say that I can wholly count anything out because I don't know enough to know whether it's knowable or not, (laughs) if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I feel that way about reincarnation. The logistics of it fascinate me. It requires a lot of kind of magical thinking, you know, and a real uh, uh, cosign on some, you know, kind of articles of faith. But um, it's a cool idea for sure. And it's it's also obviously wrapped up in 
a lot of different religions in that kind of parallel thinking way. I also learned something interesting just now. Um, the writer David Mitchell, who wrote Cloud Atlas, is the uh, co-writer of the new Matrix movie. Full circle. Makes sense. Whoa. He's the man for it. He also wrote a uh, he also wrote a novel that is not going to come out for uh, like a hundred years. Something uh, he did it for a charity. It immediately went into a time capsule. I believe the name of this story is "From Me Flows What You Call Time," which is a great mm. title, right? <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so yeah, this guy is a, is a very talented author. Uh, but who was he in his past life? Who will he be next time around? Who is Hans Becker? So. I looked into this a little bit, and Hansi, there there are some interesting things. You are right, as as you already know, there was a Hans Becker who was in the SS during World War II. Uh, he passed away in August of 1944. He was killed in action in France. You can find photos of him. You can find him mentioned in books like uh, Retreat to the Reich by Samuel W. Mitchum also a junior. And, uh, and you can, you know, when you see photos here, he's not necessarily one of the big, like the big players. You know what I mean? He's not the subject of a history documentary, but he's also uh, maybe not the Hans you're looking for. If we were just to do a Jedi hand motion, not the Hans you're looking for. There are multiple people alive now today named Hans Becker. It's a name shared by many people. I, I think you make a great point about not having encountered the spelling. So you heard a disembodied voice or you had a feeling. It just appeared in your mind. It is possible that you may be remembering something that just sort of floated up to the surface of your conscious mind without, you know, and you don't know where it came from. But to your earlier point, Noel, it would be, I think it's it's both arrogant and irresponsible to assume that we do know exactly what caused it in either direction. Um, life after death has never been proven. Reincarnation has never been proven. And they have not been disproven either because human civilization simply does not have the tools at this time that it would need to ask those questions and answer them in a scientifically valid way. But that's why we have the deep tradition of religious beliefs. And I think I can say it. Well, let's talk about this. We'll see if we cut it later. But um, Matt, Noel, uh, you guys know I've, I've interacted with a lot of off-the-beaten-path religions. And um, my father actually believes he has invented his own religion. I think what? we talked about Gladwinism? that. Yeah. <laughs> he does believe that he is yeah he, uh so the idea to him the problem he had with reincarnation originally and I want to see what you think of this Hansi as well the idea was he said one of the biggest problems with reincarnation is that so many people are reincarnated as famous people right like oh my life might not be where I want it to be now but I used to be Napoleon Bonaparte or I was Cleopatra or Helen of Troy or Mansa Musa or whomever uh, and he said you know the problem with reincarnation is that you have thousands of people claiming they once were Napoleon and then where are the people who are like I lived for a while in France under Napoleon. I died Whoa. when I was 19. Life sucked. All I ate was bread. Are there people where are those there parts? are people that claim they know who whom they were previously? That seems like poppy wash to me. There are a lot of people. Yeah. That sounds. I was just telling that. you my my cousin literally 
How mm, can one know this? Was very specific. Isn't um, there a Men in Black style mind erase that happens when you when you bounce from one to another? Is are those I don't the rules? rules, man? I don't, uh, I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> what that's are the what, rules? What that's what we're saying. Are we, the rules? <laughs> uh, I would just say, in in the case of many that I've heard about, it comes from hypnotic regression therapy, right. other oh, types of, of hypnosis, of or therapy. which is a very is, is a very um, problematic approach uh, it's the methodology of that is not sound but that's your best next step right now hansy chagwise hear us if you want to learn more about this hans becker then try the hypnotherapy stuff try something that seems legit or you can try it at home with a friend just be aware it's not scientifically sound and biases can occur but really what you're doing is you're learning more about yourself even if you don't find a Hans Becker that seems to you like the Hans Becker, like your Hans Becker, uh, you will doubtlessly uh, encounter aspects of yourself that you have not consciously encountered before. And that is that is a noble thing, and it can be a challenging thing. Um, anyway, my old man, with the way, the way he thought about it, his... Um, his approach to the concept of reincarnation was that, yes, multiple people were, in fact, Napoleon at different stages in their lives, uh, in, in that guy's life or in different universes. So he thought it was uh, completely Whoa. possible that you might be like a splintering into the multiverse. Yeah. And then they're all possibility. Ooh. Like if reincarnation were constructed as a fractal, Whoa. that's I know that's a lot to think about and i couldn't get out of the car we were on a long trip i was a child <laughs> so, so um yeah you Explain have to so much man you have to find your you have to find your own personal beliefs the things that fit with you um and you know i would love to hear more stories of reincarnation or takes on reincarnation your thoughts on it is the idea of oblivion simply so challenging that people have to rationalize something else right or is it you know how how will spirituality in the human species be affected when we are able to create the first virtual copy of a mind ship of thesis doesn't even begin to describe <laughs> how crazy that'll get because you know when we have the level of fidelity such that you can completely map a mind it's cognitive warts and all and then you can put that pattern into something that can reliably reproduce it if you did that and you knew that mind that you had just copied you knew it would respond to everything the way that the human version of it did and it could learn right and it could build off its own experiences and it knew it was trapped in a box, then is that not the same person? You know what I mean? Like if you have multiple copies of 1984, it's a different book, but is it not the same story? I don't know. This again, the this same words, feels, <laughs> same words, same order, <laughs> bro. <laughs> Man, well, hey, uh, Oshag Hennessy, I, you know, I, or what was it? What's the person? Shagwise. <laughs> Hansy, Hansy, peepee, Hansy penis. No, <laughs> what is that from? Is that Key and Peel, Oshag, Hennessy? Yes, uh, yes, okay. substitute okay. teacher. Okay. A. A. Ron. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, yeah. That was stuck in my head from classic sketch. Man, I gotta sketch. ask you: Have you read 1984? The mashup? 
1984. It's like, it's like a combination no, of 1984 and Fahrenheit 451. It's called Fahrenheit 1984 51. Is it, are you messing yeah. with me? It's, it's, it would be cool, though. It'd be cool. Oh, so oh. Cool. You, got, you did get me fair and square. Oh, man. Because that, that makes me think. We got this other great letter um, I was pointing out uh, and I was immensely grateful for this, pointing out that idea of um, AI generated films that you can, you know. Ooh. Turn into Madlib oh, exercises. We've seen some of those on the internet. Really thought about like that. scenes. Yeah, yeah. nineteen ninety six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so we're we're grateful for that. We have so many other letters, stories, uh, voicemails that we cannot wait to share with you. We're going to have some more of these as we get closer to what I think is still arbitrarily called the end of the year. Whatever. Everybody agreed. That's fine. We don't have to pick a new one. <laughs> but uh, but we will continue this, um, and we we love doing this. Love hanging out with you. Uh, we can't wait to hear your stories. So you want to take a page or an email prompt from our uh, conspiracy realist we met today? Uh, why not do it? We try to be easy to find online. We can't wait to hear from you. And now, before we do the outro, Matt, just for con- the ease of conscience. Was the feedback uh, for those phone calls about tradecraft generally okay? Yeah. Nothing. Oh, nothing, yeah. Nothing. Uh, everything weird. was good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just weird. It's a weird world. And if you want to be <laughs> part of it, here's how to find us online. The internet, you say? What's that? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a place where you can find us uh, in the usual uh, corners of note, like uh, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, where you can find us under the handle Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. Yes. Always, always YouTube. Go there. Find find the new videos. Find the old videos. Just get lost. You're going to love it. Tell your friends. Just do it. And share this show with somebody, especially when you're hanging around. I don't know. It's the holidays. Mm-hmm. Share the show with a cousin or that uncle. You know that uncle. Share with him. <laughs> see, uh, see what he has to say about one of your favorite how, episodes. How is it that everyone has to. that uncle? I just don't get it. It's, There's just yeah. a lot of us. There are a lot of cool uncles out there, man. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm one of <laughs> So, yes, uh yeah, do do help us out with that. Um please make your voice heard. And if you want to do that literally and you don't care for social media, out of all the shows in the world of podcasting, we're the ones who get that fear, get that concern, get that dislike. That's why we have a phone number that you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 1-833-STDWYTK. You'll hear a message. It tells you you're in the right place. Uh, You'll have three minutes. Those are your three minutes and you can do with them what you will. Uh, We always love it. If we hear a cool, sick nickname, like take Take a note from Shagwise over there. Uh, we also would love to have your permission to just let us know whether or not we can use your message on air. Give us a message. And most importantly, don't censor yourself. If you have something that could use some additional links, some photographs, if you have a longer story, don't feel like you have to tell us in three-minute increments over 10 phone calls. Just send us an email. Write the whole thing out. We read every single letter of every single email we get, and we can't wait to hear from you. All you have to do is shoot us a line. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com.
Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency and consistency scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality visit lazarusnaturals.com today lazarus naturals committed to improving your life as well as the world around you not available in idaho iowa or south dakota from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <laughs> 